Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, hey, hey! Chiefy Two Shoes in the His House, joined by you in your house. It's Job 7. Hey, it's (laughs) Chiefy Two Shoes. It's not one shoe, it's not three shoes, it's two shoes. What's the history behind that? Um, That Chiefy Two Shoes was... I was actually over Cheap Plug at my buddy Ben from the Out of Timers. I was over at his house, uh, him and his brother Gav... I think we're just coming up with play on words for me being called Chief and Chief and Chiefy were several and they just were randomly one day said Chiefy two shoes because <laughs> I was wearing two shoes. And, wow, uh, fancy that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, I think it ended doggy, up being doggy, doggy. it ended up <laughs> it ended up being which never really got used by anyone else. Uh when I would come through the door they'd say, Hey, it's Chiefy two shoes, eight pairs, rubber nipples. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Just keep tacking on new terms, yeah. like eventually yeah. your name takes about three minutes to say. That's it, hey, yeah. Chief, how are you doing, my brother? Yes, I am well. I am well. Uh, I'm excited to do this pod. I've read the issues, and I'm, I'm actually jazzed about them, so I can't wait to get to Comic Talk. I do have three things that I want to catch up with you on, uh, which the first one being... Have you watched... We're not going to go in depth here. Don't worry, <laughs> listeners. It's not another Roger Moore segment. However, I am going to ask you which other Roger Moore Bonds you've watched in the last few weeks. I, I didn't miss a single one. Um, I mean, from um, The Spy Who Loved Me. Gosh, what's next? No, no, I lie. I, I, I did give Octopussy the skip. But everything okay. else, um, I watched ending up with uh, uh, View to a Kill. With yes. the very unhinged Christopher Walken, man, that yes. guy chews the scenery, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> he is fantastic. And how did you feel overall with that Roger little mini marathon? Was it was it good times? Hey, man, he has got such expression just with his eyes. He's a very yeah. understated Bond, and then straight after that, you you thrown into Timothy Dalton land, who was, yeah. as I said before, my kind of first brushing with the Bond character. And he is very intense. I mean, there's a lot more going on. Maybe it's because he's a younger man at that stage and he's really kind of sweating a lot and, and, and throwing women around and <laughs> yeah. you know, getting messed up and blood coming yeah. out of the mouth and all that jazz. I mean, did, did they ever have any blood on Roger ever? The man was no, untouchable. He's spotless, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, very <laughs> um, Good stuff. Second thing I want to touch on is I have been painting some minis recently. I don't know if the listeners have seen the posts I've been putting up on the socials. I've been painting some Star Wars Imperial Assault uh, miniature figures, uh, which has been occupying my time for the last few weeks because I've been working from home, quotation marks. <laughs> Uh, Chief, you are an artiste, man. Those things came out fantastically. Like, yeah, I do stress that I, I am, I am in no way, shape, or form a professional or expert painter. I do, in fact, I have here some miniatures that I painted when I reckon I was about fourteen or fifteen, 
and uh, I'll post these up on the socials so people can see if at all I've advanced um, over the years. So these are some or kind of dwarf backwards, of course. War, war, dwarf Warhammer figures. This is from about thirty years ago, possibly. But yeah, I've definitely improved. And this Star Wars Imperial Assault game, it's been taken over by it's by Fantasy Flight Games, but it's been kind of usurped by Star Wars Legion, which is more of a tabletop measure and move. Whereas Star Wars Imperial Assault is a is a modular board with hexes where you actually move your figure a designated number of spaces rather than measuring. But um, I'm keen to get this back onto the board game table. So anyone out there who is local to the South London area wants to play Star Wars Imperial Assault, uh, hit us up. I'll see if we can organise a game when we come out of this, this trying times. Chief, the problem with having a former fan now co-host is that I remember a lot of stuff that was said in previous episodes. And the one <laughs> nugget that, uh, that segues quite nicely here is you were at one stage devising a G.I. Joe tabletop game. <laughs> wow, Did that kind of stop in its infancy or is you, there you, some you, tangible plan that we can kind of follow you on? The, you pay the penalty when your co-host is, uh, is a fountain of all knowledge and memory banks. <laughs> So, uh, no, you're, you are right. I was looking at some kind of G.I. Joe-based tabletop game, yes. Uh, it did, unfortunately, die a death, so to speak. Uh, someone did... Who was it? Someone sent me an article recently. I think it was one of my friends who showed me something that I... A, or maybe it was a Twitter feed. Um, one of the Seddons maybe sent me this. Uh, of someone who had pitched a a miniature-based G.I. Joe game to Hasbro that got um, rejected. <coughs> got the red letter, the red X. <laughs> and that kind of put me off, thinking that someone professionally has already tried pitching it and been rejected. But, I mean, you know, you're yeah, right. Buddy, you, you... Hasbro are the masters of rejection. They've even demolished their own uh, G.I. Joe fan convention. So... <laughs> We yeah. just got to do it under the table, you know? Fans are doing it for themselves. <laughs> That's it. Okay, Mark, you're fine. You've uh, more homework for the chief as normal. <laughs> oh, no. Redesign. Let me get a pen. I've got a pencil here. Pick up redesign of G.I. Joe board game. Right down there. Buddy, and if, you know, you don't need to make playing pieces that you would then paint, unless you really want to. You can use the action figures themselves. That's it, that's it. Come on. Yeah, okay, listen, <laughs> I'm moving on. Done. I'm moving on. I've got one more thing, and then I'm going to let, uh, let you tell everyone what you've been up to, so I don't hog the limelight. But listen, have you got any solutions or remedies or anything? I've got a load of mouth ulcers. Now, mm. these came on about three or four days ago, and I've got about five or six. Now, I used to get these quite badly as a kid, and, you know, the mother the mothership always told me it was due to eating too much chocolate, but I do believe now also stress and anxiety can bring it on. I don't... I think I have been stressed and, and anxious about, you know, especially with the current climate recently, about health and job security and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think it's been necessarily the cause of these mouth ulcers but they're really starting to piss me off man it's like i'm struggling while i'm speaking to you now to not have Ooh. a bit of a lisp and and not have a bit of extra uh, saliva in my mouth thing. it's a horrible it's a horrible to do most scene. of the talking <laughs> <laughs> well that hasn't been the case so far but have you got any solutions for me uh i, I would have to wake dr kim and I, I mouth ulcers honestly i 
I think it's got to do with getting enough rest, Chief. Doesn't that have okay. a, a role to play? Yes, Are rest, you sleeping rest. well? I have not been sleeping too badly, but okay. as as you mentioned previously, I am struggling with the amount of hobbies I'm trying to consume at the moment. I'm trying to watch all those movies for the Out of Timers battle. I'm trying to now watch Clone Wars, which animated on Disney+, Plus <laughs> because that's going to be another new pod that's coming out. I'm trying to learn editing skills for that. Raise uh, a child. I'm, try- I'm trying to raise a child. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I'm trying to raise a <laughs> yeah. child. I'm trying to uh, paint all these minis again. You know, there's too much. I'm trying to read comics day and night. I've got too much going on, and I Chief do doesn't feel do anything by half. It's, yeah, I do feel a, that the hobbies are suffering. But um, anyway, that's enough about me. How have you been this past week, sir? Buddy, yesterday marked the first day I could touch my wife. <laughs> Thanks to Steve. our global global lives. Uh, S Jub been... Seven was getting jiggy with Mister Biggie. <laughs> no, look, I mean, whatever. That that maybe that comes later. She just got back from work yesterday, and yeah. it was just it's wonderful. I mean, I feel like we're still in our honeymoon phase. It's been a year and a half of of married life, if you can call it that. I mean, we've kind of been apart as much as we've been together at this stage. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it seems like the world has forced us to to stay still in one place for a time, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, we're just we're yeah, just good. kids. Good, Friends. pleased for you. Yeah, yeah thanks, pleased man. For you. So, I mean, that's the big news. Yay, yay. Um, <laughs> outside of that, everything else just kind of blurs into the, the margins. It's 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 yeah. lovely, Chief. It really is. Uh, listen, listen, uh, I'm a bit behind on the uh, G.I. Joe Bo podcast. I'm a couple behind, but I did listen to the last Chief, one. Chief, you've got enough on your plate already, man. <laughs> episode, <laughs> episode, episode 166, and you're talking oh, about yes. the hostile environment uh, troopers. Oh. And... Yeah, I, I I messaged the Facebook group saying I'm a, I'm an uh, you know I'm an OG Action Force guy, so Airtype figured quite heavily there. But I do like the look of the Sludge Viper on the card art. Hmm. Thoughts on that or not? Not, not so much the figure itself, the... but the the actual card art I really like. Okay, so the the figure design on the card. Um, I've got sort of artist friends who would be offended by the kind of uh, sludge explosion happening behind him, as opposed to the you know the regular classic like okay um, explosion. But the, the, blast, the art itself, yeah. I'm actually just trying to think about it from memory. Uh, what is it exactly that uh, that turns you on? It's quite bold. I mean, the yellows, yeah. and the, the aqua. I think it's just just the, the design of the character. I quite I quite like the. The kind Some of Star lines Warsy about the, his, yeah, his yeah. it's like a spacesuit. I think having the action figure as a child, I did often use him as a a space trooper in a more right. sort of science, fi- sort of general science fiction type play pattern. It wasn't necessarily okay. GI Joe, so he could therefore be the hero. Uh, you know, I just liked the colorful suit. And the thing about the the card arts, if I'm, if memory serves, you can actually see his eyes behind the the red glass, which is interesting i mean you don't often get that with the uh, cobra troopers to actually yeah. see the eyes that's it especially yeah. with a non-removable helmet i mean you're not going to be able to see the eyes on the action figure but in the arts you get that engagement with the character yeah i'm just looking it up now you're right here yeah, it does kind of it's got that kind of translucent e visor very cool wish the action figures of the time could have translucent panels on their oh, on their helmets yeah. yeah amazing 
Um, they do that listen, now. I mean, that you do. It, oh. it is common to find translucent panels on helmets. In fact, they mold the helmets in a translucent plastic and then just paint the solid parts. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying okay. to think. There's a there's a paratrooper called Airborne. Or was it Airwave? I don't know. Modern GI Joes kind of blur a little bit for me too. <laughs> I'm all about the classics, baby. That's it. That's it. Listen, you, it's about coming up on 7 a.m. your time, so it must be time for you to eat a snack, surely. Oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, building and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers. Attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there. Here's out. Today um, is the end of the Filipino snacks. So Kim, the absolute doll, went out and got me uh, something called a Yeko corn snack, baked, not fried, barbecue flavor, and 70 grams. I think it's Indonesian. It's got Bahasa and Chinese on the package. Yep. Here we go. So yes, once again, a savory snack. Not once again, a savory snack. I had a sweet snack last time. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to kill time while I get into this bag, which is a lot <laughs> thicker than South African sort of crisps bags. Okay. Okay, so back home we've got a brand called Knickknacks. It looks like a similar thing. They're made out of maize, yeah. so therefore... We've got the, the Knickknacks in the UK. They, they are good, man. Ah, you've got Knickknacks. Yeah, that's a South yeah. African import now, kind of taken up by the Brits. Anyway, it's it for uh, for American listeners. This would be similar to Cheetos, except it doesn't look like it's covered in tartrazine. I mean, these are not orange. Anyway, here we go. Hmm. Yep, they definitely are knickknacks, but a lot less flavoursome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because knickknacks they they pack a punch. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The best uh, drink, at least a gallon of water after yeah. a bag of those. Hmm. Barbecue, really uh, subtle, but fortunately the bag's absolutely f- fresh, having just been ripped. So yep. they got a good old crunch. Nice. What you snacking on, Chief? Uh, I've got a uh, Kiddy-licious, it's delicious veggie straws. So I've stole this from my daughter. <laughs> But it of says, course. I, I, I was low on snacks. I didn't get a chance to get out in, you know, into the shops. This is gluten-free, suitable for nine months plus. Uh, ideal finger food. And it, on the front, it's got a picture of some of these veggie straws with faces on. So let's crack these open. Uh, 12 grams. So I am lacking in the... Jeepers, how'd you get into it? How's a kid man get into these? <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in. I mean, they get overcome by the hunger for snacks. Right. Okay, these are these are interesting. They're kind of they're a bit like um. Did you get in South Africa as crisps uh, French fries? No, that's been a recent thing. I think okay. the first time I encountered like sort of like string fries was uh, when I was in Germany. Right. Um, the sort of bags of of like really skinny crispy yep. fries. Okay, well these aren't these aren't. I think we've got these in the UK called they're called like chip sticks, but French fries. These look a bit like French fries, so I'll try and take a picture of both. But they're kind of puffed out, kind of tubes. They're almost like a macaroni kind of tubes, Ooh. but longer. But um, yeah, tasty. Huh. And points for being uh, healthy. Actually, I mean that that should be <laughs> another thing we compare. Is like yeah. 
Okay, who's winning in the health stakes? Because I'm just eating, like, fried corn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know. Um, Kill me quick. Right. Listen, we are caught up. We are snacked up. Now we need to get comicked up. So it's time for Comic Talk. It's Comic Talk. It's Comic Talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Okay, we are covering this week issues 175 and 176 of G.I. Joe American Hero from IDW. This is February and March from 2012. Now, interestingly, before we dig into it, in my bind... Now, I haven't read these since I had them custom-bound... I go from issue 175 into the 2012 annual. Then I go to 176. So, what I'm suggesting is, next week we cover the Real American Hero 2012 annual. I shall track it down. I'm not sure if I even have that. What's, uh, in brief, what is the story about? I've not... Oh, I didn't read it. I went... I read 175, I skipped it, and I went to 176 for the purposes of this pod. Because when I... Read it. It I have like read it. it. Relates to I have read it when it came out, but I can't remember it. But um, it's got Ron Wagner and Herb Trimpey art, which you'll be and Ron Friends, which you'll be quite excited <laughs> about. It looks nice. like when I'm looking through it. Well, I don't. I don't really want to spoil it for myself, so I don't know if it relates. Is the upshot to that? Interesting. But anyway, uh, for those who are new or didn't read the issues or need to catch up, here it is. Last time on a real American hero. When Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow and Billy discover a Russian Arashikage dojo in Brooklyn, New York, the master of the dojo tells them about a new threat to the Arashikage, the Blue Ninja Clan. Suddenly, this mysterious force launches a destructive attack on the dojo, managing to kill Billy in the melee. Storm Shadow vows revenge on the Blue Ninja Clan. He and Snake Eyes deliver the body to Cobra Commander before heading off to talk to Sensei Moskvina, a former member of the Blue Ninjas who has become an android herself. She leads them to Revanche Robotics in New Jersey, where Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow and Boris, the Russian master, find a fully built robot that suddenly activates. Meanwhile, Cobra Commander swears revenge on the Blue Ninjas and begins the hunt for his son's killers. The news even reaches Destro and Baroness, who seem nonplussed by the tragic news. One take wonder once again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Though the pressure's stacking up, Chief, when's it going to break? <laughs> the Chief can break at any time, so don't worry about that. Uh, listen, I probably had more fun with these two issues than any since it relaunched the IDW run with 155 and a half. There's a really, an really interesting tone running through them, wouldn't you say? There's like a... Terminator slash this kind of body horror exorcist yeah. vibe. I yeah, feel I've like written down. I've written down exorcist on my pad, which we'll come to in a bit about the the lady Doctor Shen who's on the ceiling, head turning kind of spider thing. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah, man, very creepy. You could definitely like put on the soundtrack to Resident Evil and you know read this by candlelight. Get yeah, the some, tone, some the tone vibes. Yeah, the tone feels kind of markedly different here in that. Everything is ratcheting up to 11 almost in terms of tension and suspense and kind of threat level. Mm, we learn a lot more about the Blue Ninja's plan. And you yeah. know, it seems like I need to keep calling them that because their leader, well, we'll get there. But I mean, there's an interesting 
I think it's an acronym um, in the naming okay. convention, but as I say, we'll get there. Yeah. Shall we I mean, get we, stuck we, into we, the covers? We, oh, yeah. Sh- shit the bed. I forgot about that. So That, uh, that old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> 175. I have the cover of Snake Eyes and Baroness, mm. which is the S.L. Gallant and Gary Erskine cover. And just a brilliant, just know, a white, black, blank background. Yeah, the interiors here on both issues are Larry Harmer writing, obviously S.L. Gallant as the artist, and Gary Erskine's the inker with Andrew Crossley on colours. But yeah, that first cover, kind of stark white background. You know what's going on? Why are these two kind of? Is this something that happens in the issue? You're wondering at the start. This pose doesn't happen per se, but they do <laughs> kind of you know team up. Obviously, nice cover, and then the B cover, which is Ron Wagner. Which after Larry Harmer pencils, I've got again. I've got the small indent here. It looks to me like the Terminator dude is standing over a desk with Storm Shadow with Snake Eyes kind of cowering underneath. Hmm. Cyberdyne Systems Model One Zero One. Yeah. Already to strike. Maybe not cowering, but yeah. It I looks- think I prefer the Gallant one. Yeah. 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 It's clean. It's nice. I mean, it it throws two very. Uh, uh, opposite end of the spectrum characters together. It's like, yeah, okay, I want to read this because I want to see Snake Eyes team up with the Baroness. Uh, the other one is kind of very much more pertaining to the issue. Um, is it interesting that they've placed a, a, a mo- like a computer monitor on the desk and on that monitor you've got Storm Shadow and it, it's like it's sort of it's a modesty move. I mean, it's covering up the the robot's crotch. <laughs> so the robot's like low low crouching over this yeah. desk, and this monitor's smack bang in his, his abdomen. <laughs> it's like, whoa! We don't yeah. want you to see what's going on there, man. That's this it. These, these are these are these are more human than you thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, one seven interesting six. touch that's missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the 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 Harmer pencils, there's an added detail saying "Intruder Alert, Camera 3, next to ah. Storm Shadow's image on the monitor. Yeah, yeah, uh, some that text gets is lost in missing, Ron Wagner's yeah. um, artwork. So you, you all of a sudden, it's more ambiguous as to what Storm Shadow's role is in this. Is he the aggressor? Is he also trying yeah. to find Snake Eyes? Like, what, I think that was is... needed. That text was needed because, like you say, uh-huh. in the cover here. I think you've got Storm Shadow on the monitor, but there's no reference point to it. There's no context for why he's on that monitor. He just looks badass. I mean, yeah. he's got the mean slant eyes. Like, That's it. Mm, I'm going to get That's you it. too, Snake Eyes. Yeah. 176, I've got the A cover again, Galant and Erskine. This is three kind of horizontal panels with Snake Eyes, Baroness and Cobra Commander. Uh, and they've all got, what is it? Il Buono, La Cattiva, and Il Bruto. So, Any I points didn't... for uh, guessing what the reference what's, is there? What's the translation? I don't know. Il Bruto must be brute, surely. Uh, it's uh, the ugly. Ah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> of course Bingo. it is. Ding, ding, of course ding, ding, ding. it is. Yeah, yeah that's quality. Yeah, that's, I love that cover. That's brilliant. Yeah, The Spanish Banana translation of the title would be uh, il Buono, Il Bruto, Il Cattivo. So they okay. switch um, ugly and bad in the ah. Spanish translation. But yes, okay. on this cover as it stands, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. Right, okay. Yeah, that's mm. quality. Uh, and, I mean, why? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> that's question all I'm is, asking. The question is why. It, you know, what, what reference does that have to this issue? None. It's more references to the characters, isn't it? Blondie, you know what you are. 
Just a dirty son of a... Ah! <laughs> I've not seen that in ages. More homework, no less. Oh, jeepers. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Does it hold up? Is it worth, is it worth a go? I'll tell you, I, I saw the, um, the extended cut uh, a couple of years ago, and I thought to myself, this is up there with Empire as one of those movies that I wish I could watch fresh as an adult, having no right. knowledge of how yes. it ends up. Because the interplay between the three and the kind of the, the trust game that operates and the sort of side deals that they strike with one another yeah. keep it very, very intriguing. So yeah. if you can come at it fresh, and, and you say you haven't seen it in years. I haven't seen it, it, for, man, it for years. So yeah. yes, it, w- it will be fre- fresh enough, I think, for me, yeah. It absolutely holds up. Jeez, and geez, I think top 10 for me. Wow. And what's the, yeah. what's the crack with the others? Uh, is it part of a trilogy, Fistful of Dollars for... A few dollars more well the theory not. i think is that uh that clint's character is the same man okay um, but it's not but actually it's not actually verbally referenced to being the same person yeah i mean the, the, uh, lee van cleef is a carryover but he's obviously not the same character right okay so maybe uh, i'll just go straight to good the bad and the ugly yeah 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 all right i'm doing that's it i'm need, doing man. it that's easier oh, than no. do, that's, it's easier to do that as homework than design a board game, so I'll do that. Um, Fair enough. Well, you can do both. Leave it on the background. I mean, I'm always curious to know, when you do these kind of film marathons for Letterboxd, are you devoting your time entirely to watching the film, or are you kind of a little bit distracted? You're kind of, i got to crush this movie, but let me also paint a, a figure and dole out some, some homework to the, <laughs> the kid that at is, the same time. That's a good and fair question. Now, Ben asked me that similarly on the Out of Timers on one of the previous episodes because we were crunching through the numbers rapidly and up to this point it has been i've put the movie on whether it be on my laptop my tablet or the tv obviously if the missus is watching the tv then i'm going to watch a movie through other means so it might be on my laptop or my tablet but no my focus has been on, on the mobile movie. phone haven't resorted to that yet yes you um, have blade runner no, he said, no, Ben said it was on my phone, but it was on my tablet. Oh, very my tablet. good. Yes, uh, but you're right. Anyways, you're right. The, you burden, were... the burden of knowledge. Chief, we're talking about <laughs> covers here, man. Let's, Listen, let's cover B, cover B. But you're right, at some point, am I going to be so ground down to just churning out numbers that I'm going to do it whilst I'm painting a mini? I hope not, um, but only time will tell. Anyway, cover B, Larry Hammer pencils, Herb Trimpe does the finishes, and... This looks, again, I've got the small one, but it looks like it's a nice cover. Oh, it's terrific. Yeah. More of this, please. Yeah. <laughs> the, the col- I, I can't the colors... identify the weapon that these guys are using. The, the Vipers seem to be using a ray gun. So okay. spitting out a green, uh, I don't know, vapor oh, trail. Oh, yeah, at the bottom. Yeah, I see it now, yeah. Or maybe that's how uh, you know a suppressed weapon discharges. It kind of yeah. puffs this kind of weird phosphorescent green smoke. I colours look nice. This is colours by, I'm going to call out uh, Romulo Ferrado Jr. Because I'm not familiar with the name. But he's, he looks like he's done a great job here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love this cover. Good old Cobra transport helicopters in the background. I'm always a fan. Yep. Back to the issues. Now, you mentioned that we find out a lot of deets through these two issues combined. We actually get the first, I think, bit of per- pertinent information on page two of the first issue here. Because... One of the guards, and this is, I kind of like this trope of actions going on and the characters aren't 
talking to explain their actions. You've got people watching this on the monitor screens and they're doing the exposition for you. These oh, two guards great. interplay. I think it works really well here, especially when you've got a character like Snake Eyes who is not going to be talking anyway. So you don't want to consistently have Storm Shadow explaining Snake Eyes' actions. But one of the guards uh, on the second page actually says there's not a lot of reasons for a Cobalt Chimera uh, or Shimmera. I don't know what your preferred pronunciation is there. Uh, I would go Chimera. I don't know. But that's only because of Mission Impossible 2. Eek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll say that's Chimera. That's the best cultural touchstone. But yeah, so he's, he calls it a Cobalt Chimera. Uh, which we had previously been saying was kind of a Cyberdyne 101 Terminator model. but um, So now they've been name-checked, so we kind of know what they've been building here. And I think we get another re- another reference later on in this issue for... Is it called a BN001? For the yeah, thing in reference arms. to... Yes, the thing that's pulling the strings. BN001. What does the BN stand for? At this stage, it's not clear, but I certainly hope Oh, it now I get it. Now I get it. Blue Ninja. Oh, uh, really? Got it. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I didn't really. get it. I don't, no, I didn't I don't get think it. we can no-prize our way out of that one. I mean, if that's Listen. really Larry's shorthand to remembering what... It's like, it's the first one, it's the ruler, yeah. it's the Queen yeah. Bee, yeah. and we're going to call it BN001. It's, so the st- serial number stuck before the actual uniform yeah. was adopted. Eek. Listen, I've just sent you a couple of pictures because while I was reading this issue, I was like, this thing reminds me a little bit of an Iron Man bad guy called Ghost. Now, it's not exactly the same, but when you look at those images I just sent you, I think it's kind of a bit similarish in look to this this character who was, you know, very techy and used. Is Ghost a sort of a post Metal Gear solid design? Oh, yeah, he looks a bit like, of course, uh, Psycho Mantis as well. Yeah? Yeah, or not? man. I think so, yeah, definitely. The skin-tight suit, the very kind of pigeon-toed stance, the gangly long arms, and yeah. obviously the mask, which looks like a breathing apparatus. Now, that might have been a redesign, because I think the character has been around for a long time, predating okay. Metal Gear, but this design that I've just sent you, and I'll post it up on the socials, uh, maybe that was maybe I think that design probably was post Metal Gear. So yeah, very interesting. Um, Why but... <laughs> I couldn't read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Good stuff. Um, there's there's a couple of uh, there's a really good bit of dialogue on that second page where they've called out this Cobalt Chimera, and one of the guards says, "Okay, fine. He's looking for someone. There's someone sneaking around in there." And he says, uh, definitely below a uh, level three. We're talking an 80% meat entity. Oh, <laughs> chief, that line sends me chills, man. This is some body horror stuff. Yeah. This entire cult of people who give up their fleshy parts to kind of transcend. Well, firstly, they're like the Bomar monks in Jabba's Palace. I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider yeah, guys. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was just listening to an episode of, of Retronauts, another podcast. In fact, Ben put me onto them uh, okay, way yeah. back, way back. And they were doing a, an episode on Robocop and just exactly how horrific it must be to wake up to having all your meat stripped away and just be a consciousness yeah. and a face plastered onto a metal chassis. But these guys are, I mean, they are devotees. They are, they're wanting this. That's it. They're like... 
They're like, please take me, take me to the next level. <laughs> yeah, this is this creepy stuff, and just uh, the Very. line has the line to me had that kind of element of comedy but then as soon as you read the line it kind of then veers like you said into wait a minute this is now a bit creepy so these guys are sitting in their their shitty security job in their van which is also odd to me like why are they not security guards inside the building why are they outside in a van like a pair of undercover cops um anyway they are (laughs) sitting there like dreaming night and day about when they're going to basically get their pay raise and and go up a level and and lose another bit of their humanity like this is some sick stuff yeah yeah i'm not sure how they knew when the ninjas started attacking this thing he calls out what is that it's a ninja throwing star so i'm not sure how these guys had specific knowledge of ninja weapons or were able to determine that was a ninja throwing star but anyway that's even before that they're like oh only the only thing that could have snuck in uh, had to be something with ninja skill because, like, we're we're yeah. eating more than eighty percent meat, That's so these it. guys have to be like really highly trained. I mean, for security guards, these guys they know some stuff. Yeah. That, <laughs> but that, I do like the trope of them narrating this thing because yeah, I think it, I think all too often in these ninja battles, the guys are like jawing away while doing combats, and it's it's like it strains believability a bit. I mean, I get that yeah. Larry has to earn his paycheck, so there have to be, be some words on the page. But, uh, you know, I'd rather the combatants be mute and kind of engaged yep. in combat. And as you see here, a third party is kind of talking us through it. it it's works. very amusing because they're, of course, like h- half of the time they're thinking, uh, guys, let's not call this in because, it, yeah. you know, it, it's probably nothing. And we don't want to alarm the higher ups. They'll take it out on us. And then the other guy's more neurotic. He's like, no, 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 we should call this in. Yeah, yeah. And it works so well because they're not just explaining stuff in layman's terms they're actually using you know kind of a bit of techie dialogue and and stuff as well so you kind of get a bit more feel for the severity of what's going on and the the level of of technological advancements that this company has made and so kind of talking about that technological advancements when you first see this bn001 and he's kind of holed up in his encampment and he's got these four arms Uh, which is kind of spooky and then he pulls up this 3d kind of hologram mapping of of the area and those scenes look really cool you know he's kind of Mm. he's kind of hunched over look with his arms kind of in in the reaching over to the the holographic image it's just really well done really really top stuff by galant here i'm interested chief because of obviously like the sex of BN001 is immaterial. It's a robot. Yeah. But you say he. I mean, okay. I I thought of it more as a kind of a, a matriarch. I was like, it's a she. I wonder right. where I got that impression. Uh, okay. Might, so it just existed in my head. And almost really like, suggested almost like the hive mind. Almost kind of like, like you mentioned earlier, the, the queen bee. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I could be way off. But for some reason, I always imagined it having a kind of a... A more feminine persona yeah but interesting i don't know where i'm getting that from pulling it yeah. out my ash <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll tell you another thing that's kind of changed in these issues when we saw cobra commander previously you know he was mourning billy and now he's going back to that very authoritative brutal cobra commander almost he he wants revenge for billy's death he's traced some leads to the dojo and he is you know effectively trying to assassinate 
the Master Moscovina because he's shot her in the head. Obviously, mm. it reveals or we know that she's got this whatever percentage of her is now robotic. But he's effectively trying to execute her, and then off they off they. Oh, that was in Jersey, wasn't it? And off they fly to you know try and trace down new leads. But he's Cobra Commander's on a tear here. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's hardcore. Like he's pulled a gun on one of Moscovina's students. Yeah, and he's like, I don't care if you don't fear death. Uh, you know, we can do this one way, one, one of two ways. You can either just give me the information I need, and you know, we keep the bloodshed to a minimum, or I'm gonna start killing your disciples. Yeah, he puts which... a gun in. He puts a gun up in Mindbender's face in the next issue as well. Has him up against the wall, gun in his face. You know, it's about to splatter his brains over the wall there as well. But bloody time, man. <laughs> Gee, Mindbender hasn't had a successful scheme in how many issues? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Right. I'll tell you another nice touch I like is when Scarlet comes back to the pit and they didn't really need to show her re-entering the pit and there's a you know page and a half of that but one of the things I like is where she encounters Spirit who is the, the you know the guard dog if you will on the on the rug in the Kwonsan hut and uh, he says oh I spotted the dust plume from your tyres a mile out and she's like you could see the dust at night and he says oculation of the stars low on the horizon stealthiest approach is with the mountain range at your back and she's like I'll remember that yeah well, the next time I need to sneak up on the pit it's like <laughs> yeah. why, why, is, why is Scarlet trying to sneak up on spirits <laughs> yeah. surely and the <laughs> idea is to be identified early on so that you know you yeah. don't get a very warm welcome that's it and, and a very small touch here that didn't go unnoticed by me and wasn't necessary but I really liked it was she does a bit of name dropping so she's like some, someone's saying hi and she's oh hi Clutch how's it going snow job and then she references hey Leatherneck and then Leatherneck mentions Dusty, Mainframe and Stalker. So you get these Joes who we maybe haven't seen in a while, Clutch and Leatherneck and Snowjob, and they're just, you know, she's walking through the pit and she's kind of saying hi to them. And that wasn't necessary, but and it wasn't done in a forced way. It just felt nice to kind of see and be made aware that these Joes that we haven't seen in a while are still around. Mm, well, you know, this is a team book, but we're spending a lot of time doing the the Snake Eyes Storm Shadow soap opera routine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Larry was going to play to his favourites, but uh, you're absolutely right. He didn't have to, but the name dropping is great. And Gallant definitely delivers in terms of just populating the pit. Even at this late hour, there are guys working. You can see a lot of vehicle action in the background. It's yep. it's great. Yeah, yep. really, really nice. I like the fact as well that the when Cobra Commander and his uh, transport chopper make it to the next venue which is i guess where snake eyes and storm shadow have been uh, and they they find it's now emptied the vipers seem to be not stooges or anything but they actually seem to be doing a good job in terms of professionalism and you know clearing rooms out and checking all the drives and they don't seem to be patsies that they maybe have been made out to be in the past yeah 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 and further to that the revelation that comes later uh, that it seems the Blue Ninjas are infiltrating Broker Beach. Yes. Uh, and murdering Viper's families. Yeah, that, that is... That really hits home too. Yeah, that's man. giving a lot of, of personality and three-dimensionality to, like, the bullet stoppers of the Cobra Legions. Yeah. You, you get that first twist, which, again, you know, I didn't see these coming, was 
that they discover that the CGs have been on the production line, that they've actually been manufacturing Fred series kind of uh, facelifts for these. So now you're like, holy ball sacks. We've got, you know, potential infiltrators within the ranks of Cobra. Then later on, you find out that they've actually made maybe Vipers as well. What is the Blue Ninja Endgame? Yeah, there you because go. Because at first it was, you know, they're introduced to us as guys just after wiping out some acolytes of the Arashikage. And now it seems like their master plan is to overtake Cobra. Yeah. So is it just a general power struggle or is there something else to it? I guess we're not going to learn that in these two issues, but it, it seems like we've switched tracks. Like Blue Ninjas are definitely after the, the Hooded Serpent followers. Yeah, yeah. Something definitely. we skipped over though, bro. Do it. What's Baroness doing? We're at Castle Destro and a yep. Hurricane VTOL is being fueled up. That looks wicked. We get some great cameos from uh, the Iron Grenadiers. I like seeing them in uniform as opposed to just general kilted security men. Yep. So she regal. is... Now she is... Yeah, Destro's kind of quizzing her about Billy and she's saying he means nothing to me. She's gone in the, in the hurricane and he's gone back to his, his wardrobe, pressed the secret button to reveal the weapons cache and some of them shooters are gone missing. I think that's my favorite page of issue 175. Yeah. The realization it's, it's, of Destro. There are no word bubbles. Um, it's all visual storytelling. The The hurricane is just dusted off and he walks past his Iron Grenadier entourage, goes into, I think I think it's Baroness's chambers, or maybe right, they're sorry, shared yes. chambers, yeah. um, sees <laughs> hilariously a whole bunch of like leather <laughs> Baroness corsets yep. strewn all over the bed, goes into the wardrobe, clicks the switch, and... Yeah. The bog standard like weapons rack, but with a, <laughs> looks like a pistol's missing, three magazines are missing, a was it an MP5, some yeah. kind of submachine gun's missing. Yeah, man, and like then you, the sort of ponderous last face of Destro, like hmm, like we saw do some damage. I think you've I think you've you've hit it on the head there. You know, this is wordless panels, and you know they're quite emotive and pack a punch. And we saw that in the previous issue where. Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes deliver Billy's dead body to Cobra Commander and you get that whole page where he gets out of bed and he's on his knees and that's wordless as well and it has the same, you know, different emotions but the, the way that Gallant can draw that out from a page without the words is, is really top draw storytelling. Absolutely, man. Uh, One other oddity with when yep. 175 before we go on. Yeah, yeah. When the Vipers arrive at the revanche labs and they're kind of searching through it they make note of the fact that oh wait this isn't the, the next issue are you talking Anyways, about the, uh, the worker well yeah, they make note of the fact that uh, there's a really low ceiling in one of the, <laughs> yeah. the rooms yeah and yeah. the other viper's like well this is where the children worked it's yeah. a throwaway line but yeah but it's a bit like well i read it and i was like is that actually what it says it is is he like <laughs> are we talking about child slavery here and it was just like wow you know this is yeah this is this is this is a horror comic i think because <laughs> <laughs> they don't touch on it ever again it's no. literally a throwaway line do they yeah. mean it was he joking or not i don't know okay well well there you go dark stuff dark times that's it um I'll tell you another thing. American street urchins <laughs> pulled off the mean streets of Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then we get a couple of pages later. This is the scene where, on this assembly line, one of the televipers says, 
uh, one of the computer monitors is still on. Holy! They've all been given the face of a Fred series Crimson Guardsman. And that's where you first think, okay, we're in trouble here. We've got infiltrators. And, um, yeah, there's more to come from that. Now, a couple of pages on, really nice touch here where we're in Highland Park, New Jersey. We've got Storm Shadow Snake Eyes and a mashed-up Boris in the back of the car because he's not fed too well when he came across that Cobalt Chimera. And we see some vans that have been emptied out. And on the side, it's got the Brocker Beach Community Service Committee and this design of the badge is so good. It's effectively a heart, but the heart is in the shape of the Cobra sigil with the kind of arteries coming out the top being little kind of people. It's so oh, good. I love it. It a minge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lady Garden. Yeah, man. But Snake lips. <laughs> I, like that. I like that design. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's nice. And, and it's uh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. again, it's a Definitely. horror scene here because they go in and there are just ragged old bodies all over the shop here. Something went down big time. Yep. There, yep. of course, their first uh, instinct is that these guys were uh, out to kill Dr. Chen yes. and somehow got intercepted. So the, 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 the danger is high. The stakes are high. Yep. You're crawling through a house filled with bodies. And this kind of comes back to these horror elements. It's like... Yeah, yeah, man. This is these are the two kind of issues that you definitely do want to read or, or don't want to read, perhaps, yeah. if you have a sensitivity to that thing. Um, and you know, alone the, in the house at night. Yeah, yeah. The guys have been sent here because of a communique from Scarlet. She sent a text message to Snake Eyes, basically saying this: Doctor Shen, with some Finnish Institute, has has been working on some of the. Well, I don't know. I can't be bothered to find that little message. The uh, the, mo- the monofilament uh, That's weapons. It. That's it. You That's got her, it. her claim to fame. And yes. then shortly after that, she disappeared. So the implication is that she's, she's a target. Yeah. Inducted into this 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 cult. Yes. The Blue yes. Ninja cult. Or that, or she was a target and she's tried to escape from their clutches. Um, uh, I don't know, right, right, but right. then, but I did not see the next twist coming. Even though I've read this issue again, you know, I've forgotten it. But she goes out of the house, and you know, Doctor Boris is there. Doctor Shen, are you all right? We've come to, and she's vaded him. She's vaded him around the neck, snapped oh. his neck, and then her head turns around, and it's all kinds of freaky deaky going on here. I am fine. Everything is just hunky dory. This yeah, is man, proper Matrix vibes. <laughs> That's it. This Badass. is brutal, and it doesn't get much better because the next page in Brocker Beach, someone answers the door, and it's a Fred series, and we know who the Freds potentially are right now because we've seen that robotics lab and the Televiper communique, and you know he's come in. You know, Cobra Commander's issued an alert. I'm here to see that you comply. Where is your husband? He's on duty at the Wax Museum. Next panel, it's just a silhouette of this guy's eyes glowing, and it is whoa! You are dead meat, lady. Nothing says evil robot more than glowing red eyes. Yeah, you bet. Damn. This is, I mean, this is, I love these issues, man. It's just, I think the first time I read these, as they were coming out, I was very much in the camp of this blue ninja hoodoo mumbo jumbo nonsense is not my G.I. Joe. And I was very much not on board. And I don't know why I'm seeing it in a different light now, but I've done a one eight complete 180 on it. And I really, really was digging these issues. At the cost of sounding corny or trite, I think I'm exactly the same. I think the way the Blue Ninjas are presented at this point is exciting and freaky, 
we needed a third party to switch things up because the war between Joe and Cobra, as I said last episode, it's totally stalemated. Yeah. Like nothing seems to have worked. Nothing Cobra has, has plotted has ever unhinged the Joes or dis- destroyed their organization. And the Joes seemingly can never completely wipe out Cobra. They just continue to thrive. This global terrorist organization and we've never gotten a breakthrough. So Revanche Electronics or Blue Ninjas... This stuff is necessary, and fortunately, they're fresh enough as antagonists at this stage yeah. now, to be interesting. Now, I'm not saying that that is going to continue because you know I don't, I don't know well enough where it's going to go, and maybe it does fall off a cliff. And I do go back to the old way of thinking. Okay, this first bit was good, but then now nah, they pushed it too far. But you know, I'm I'm on for the ride at this point in time. So let's see what happens. I'll tell you what is happening in this comic, and this this Dr. Shen has gone proper full exorcist now, crawling on the ceiling, head turning, uh, neck extending in one scene. My brain is still human, fools, and it's, she's got f- shooting stuff out of her hands. It's, you know... Then mouth, my goodness. The mouth, yeah, yeah, she's got it going on, not in a good way. But this, you know, some good fight scene action here. In the end, they do take her down, but it's not Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. It's actually the Baroness who has a a quality line on her entrance. High velocity, jacketed, depleted uranium core boat tails transfer an impressive amount of kinetic energy on impact, don't they? That's a Roger Moore line from Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Bond, I need you. (laughs) So does England. England. But oh, yeah, yeah so this, 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 is, this is the scene that was actually... Oh no, it was the wrong issue, wasn't it? This is the, the scene that was referenced on the cover of 175, happening in 176. Mm-hmm. And, Time uh, for an epic team-up. That's it. And then also... Enemy lines then also Baroness and Snake Eyes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You get that final like, kind of harmer, not wrap-up page, but you know, a lot of stuff's happening on the last page because back in the pit, Scarlet is you know, concerned about what's going on. They've had orders not to start, or, the, or no authorization to start their own op. And then all of a sudden, all three of them, one after the other, say, wait a minute, I've got some leave coming up. Scarlet, Duke, and Stalker. I'm going on leave mm-hmm. as well. So am I. And then, you know, I'm jazzed. And mainframe, of course, sheepishly is just sitting in the back there. He's like, mm, no. <laughs> I'll uh, stay I, here. I think I'm going to keep... Yeah, I'm going to stay at the desk, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to stay here and play Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah so this was this was for me a good time had and you know i was i was sailed through these issues champing at the bit so this is i think definitely my favorite of the run of the idw run so far i'm actually going to give this an eight oh my goodness high praise indeed i i liked it i really did i loved the the horror elements uh, as i said before but in my mind, Chief, I, I think I'm like you in that I need to rate things relative to other things. Yeah, that's fair. And if I'm rating this out of all the issues that have come before, including the classic ARA run, yep. like, it's difficult to crawl out from under the shadow of issues that I would have given tens to. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So being relative, I'm going to be a, quite a moderate marker and give this a six and a half. Six and a half, yo Joage from the SJ7. Yeah. I think I've got, I think I've got, I am going to very quickly look this up. I've got the Every Joe Story Ever spreadsheet, which I think previously I used to say, I'll put this up, you know, share it. I don't know if I ever did. So I will do that. I'll do a quick in memoriam for uh, Boris. (laughs) Boris, the, the Russian master who gets unceremoniously slaughtered 
by the villainous uh, robot Dr. Chen. Yeah. Um, dude, isn't it like slightly comical that Storm Shadow's like, no, we got to get you to a doctor. You've got a fractured skull and your ribs are cracked. <laughs> and then this text comes through from, from Scarlet saying, mm, Dr. Chen might be involved. Yeah. Why don't you guys head over there? And I don't think these distances are necessarily like next door to one another. Like they were on no. the road for a while. That's it. And like the whole time I'm thinking, this is like a scene from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Larry, I'm real scared, man. Larry, please, just just drop me off, man. Just drop me off. You know, that's that was good. playing in that my mind. Good. I'm like, damn, this poor guy. He's taken a beating, but now now they're putting him, like they sort of prop him up and like, yeah, just, just sit behind the wheel. If Dr. Chen comes, you know, tell him not to worry. We've yeah. got this covered. This guy's not looking after anyone. Um, Shame. Listen, I gave, I found the spreadsheet, I gave... 35 story arcs and eight or higher from the original <sighs> from the original run so do you feel you might need to moderate that a bit you think or is that legit well uh, uh here you go so my number one was issues 45 to 48 i gave a actually chance. i take that back uh, chief you you've said on record before that this is one of your all-time favorite comic book runs it's yeah. up there with 2000 ad so you know I think it's perfectly acceptable to have like 40 plus in the eight category. Yeah. That's cool, man. I mean, let's just look. I, I think there are about uh, 110 entries on the list so far, mm-hmm. which cover all the way up to, I think, I think just, I think, I don't think I've put our recent ones on there, but um, I'll do that. But anyway, next week, I think what I'll say is try and source out the 2012 Real American Hero annual. And maybe, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's double size, so that might be enough to cover next week's episode. But just in case it's not, everyone read 177 as well, just in case. So we might do the annual and 177, or we might just do the annual. But to be safe, read both. Is that fair? Sounds good. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, now, listen, we've talked about the comics, and we didn't talk much about toys within the comic. But now it's fortunate that you're here, because you can talk toys because it's time for Steve talks about Steve toys. toys. Ho ho! Steve talks about GI Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Mmm! Give me the plastic, baby. He's armed with an Uzi and a sword, and he dresses in black. It's the Iron Grenadiers version one. <laughs> <laughs> down the garden path huh? Yeah. they have a cameo in this issue uh, so I'm jumping on the opportunity to talk about them because I don't think the opportunity will necessarily present itself again we see some Iron Grenadiers dotted around Castle Destro and these guys are hella stylish yep. they come at a kind of a, a weird time in the line when a lot of the classic fans were getting out the cartoon had stopped so there wasn't as much media exposure for these guys. But anyone who's stuck with Joe knows their value and that they are beautiful action figures. Uh, let's, as per usual, jump into the file card to just set the tone. Codename, Iron Grenadiers, Destro's Elite Troopers. Specialties, terrorism, sales, marketing development. <laughs> <laughs> Very dangerous. The Iron Grenadiers are handpicked from Destro's personal bodyguards. They are the spearhead of Destro's incursions into new territory. 
The Iron Grenadiers, acting as agents, provocateurs, saboteurs, or outright terrorists, impel an unsuspecting country towards chaos and turmoil, thereby creating new markets for Destro's weapons where none existed before. Their pay is a percentage of gross sales. So I guess they are commissioned workers? Yeah. Very good. They'll probably be pretty fanatical about getting those bonuses. (laughs) Imagine the slickest used car salesman you've ever met. Now imagine that he's also the trickiest accountant in the world. Got that? Try to picture what he would be like if that same guy was also a highly trained commando with expertise in explosives, small arms, and hand-to-hand combat. Top it off with the fact that no other mercenary group in the world wants them because of their history of turning on their superiors. That's what an Iron Grenadier is. Now, I think I've managed to discover an unedited form of Larry Harmer's file card for this. Really? Because it appeared, yeah, th- there is a very f- more, much more fully written out version of this file card in uh, an intelligence profile that you would find in the 1991 G.I. Joe, the Action Force annual. Might you have the annual from 1991? It's the, it's the UK annual. Yeah, I can probably go and fish that out, actually, yeah. Well, it's got the Tiger Force vehicles kind of rampaging on the cover. I'm not going to read it out because it is a mouthful. But the tidbit of information that really jumped out at me is the fact that Destro headhunts his Iron Grenadiers from the mercenary groups of the world, but also from within Cobra as well. Right, yeah, that's interesting. So he, he buys out Cobra personnel and adds them to his Iron Grenadiers legions. He's like, hmm, I like your style. And uh, <laughs> yeah. slaps a black uniform on them. It's fantastic bit of uh, texture, that. And it really does speak to the kind of the, the wheeler-dealer nature of Destro. And his, you know, he, he's got no scruples when it comes to sourcing his manpower. He'll take the best guys. He'll take them straight out of Cobra Commander's clutches. Yeah, you know. So it, it makes me think that these guys are sort of even more elite than the Crimson Guardsmen. They're more hand-picked and more specialized and more fanatical and more greedy. Um, which is weird because then you contrast their comic book use and... They seem to be like Destro's rank and file. I mean, in your favorite arc, the the invasion of Cobra Island, the Cobra Civil War, they seem to be like the standard infantry troop of Destro's legions. Yeah. Probably because there isn't another action figure at the time. You know, it'd be a full year before we got more forces for Destro. And ironically, the next sort of rank and file troop we get is is an even more elite trooper called the Annihilator. Yep. I always thought it should be the other way around. The Annihilator, this kind of orange-suited heli-pack trooper, should be the more, like, cheap, low-rent... Generic, um, yeah, yeah. Generic troop. And, like, the Iron Grenadier with his beautiful black stylings and other elements, which we'll touch on in a moment, um, just make him look far more ceremonial and re- elite and definitely the kind of the Destro equivalent of the Crimson God. They look great flanking Destro, don't they, on either side? It's just Absolutely. a great look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are elements of Vader in that helmet, but also elements of, like, I think 18th century, like, European battle helmets or, or fire department helmets. It's kind of a ridged helmet with a peak, but it's also got a Fritz-style um, bucket around the back for protection of the, sort of the back of the head and the neck. Yep. Difficult to place exactly what its origins are, but it's definitely in that late late 18th, early 19th, even into the 20th century, these helmets, you'd, you'd see them. Yeah. 
they come armed with a saber. Oh yeah, like boy. A cavalry saber. Oh, it's incredible, man. What a nice touch. It's not the first time we've seen sabers um in in the the G.I. Joe line. I think the first first accolade was uh was Gung Ho's ceremonial dress blues. But this guy straddles the line between like a frontline troop and some kind of honor god. And the option that you get in having his weapons load out of an Uzi submachine gun, a saber, and some wicked red Flash Gordon ray gun, essentially, yep. is that you can kind of outfit him for different scenarios. And he works sublimely in all of them. Gold accents and red, the sort of black, red, and gold color palette just is sublime. It's really, really, really sweet. And the, the Uzi itself is not the classic... Snake Eyes Uzi, which we see having use with Steeler, with Snake Eyes version 1 and 2. This is beefed up. It is definitely a far more mongrel-looking weapon. Um, It's got a a hilt, has it? It's got a a stock. Stock and a barrel extension. It's overall weightier, heavier, more uh, substantial. It is a bit of a thumbbreaker, I must say, because if you're going to tuck the stock behind the Iron Grenadier's forearm, you are in risk of stretching, if not stressing, the thumbs on the right. classic figures. Interesting. But the juice is worth the squeeze, Chief, because once you get it in there, man, once you've kind of acclimatized the thumb to that thing, it's sweet as all hell. These yeah. guys look incredible holding their, their, their included weapons. The ray gun, I'm less mad about. But it's nice, once again, to have the option, because if he is kind of in ceremonial mode, he's not going to be walking around with a Zuzi. No. Uh, he's got a, a close quarters personal weapon, and, and Destro loves his pistols. He came equipped with an incredible handgun, and uh, I guess this is just 1988's update to that. Yeah. It's got a weird, like, flat top. Do you have, uh, do you have eyes on this figure or this accessory at the moment? Uh, yes, yep. Yeah, man. So it's got a sort of, very angular, triangular um, barrel extension and a, a flat top, all very inexplicable kind of sci-fi details. Very B-grade science fiction schlock film uh, tropes, I guess. But it's a striking weapon. The saber itself, not functional as a sword. Okay, let me just put that out there. It's, it's, it's in its scabbard and it's not coming out. We would have to flip forward to the 25th anniversary before we could actually have a, a weapon that could be unsheathed. But I like the fineness of the detail in the classic. It's not meant to be used as a weapon. This is very much for show. This is very much for these guys on parade. And that works, man. Yeah. You line up a, an honor god of Iron Grenadiers, and it is a sight to behold. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, later versions. Because while these guys look very much like a very special high-ranking version of the Iron Grenadier, we eventually got, in I think 2012, yep. uh, let me send you a picture while I'm at it. Do it. How, when did this come out in relation to the, the Destro version with the, the gold trim? Destro. Same year. Right. This was definitely designed as the kind of one-two punch. Right, okay. Yeah, man. That makes sense. Yeah. It it fits the aesthetic a lot better than stuff that came later. They got a bit crazy with the the color palette, unfortunately. But oh, wow. the purity of the line in 88 was sublime. Uh, these guys definitely looked the part. Now, this, just this sent guy you sent me, of, this image you sent me, it I've not seen this before, uh, but this immediately, this image reminds me of some kind of 
uh, you know, World War Two Nazi stormtrooper kind of figure. I don't know. It's perhaps because the helmet is done up in grey. Listeners, I am referring, if you have yojo.com to hand, the Iron Grenadier version 8 from series 27, released in 2011. This is hailed by many as one of the most successful updates of all time. Wow. It's given us an Iron Grenadier, but armed him heavily, given him a lot more secondaries, armor portions for his legs, for his upper body, for his shoulders... And given him what, I'm surprised it didn't jump out at you immediately, Chief, what effectively is the smart gun from Aliens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Sort of foregrip off to the side, a rear grip that's kind of like a flat face with the, with the weapon itself, yeah. and a kind of ammo feed that goes into a, a backpack full of, of bullets. The other thing, the other sort of cultural touchstone for this, and I'm, I'm going to name drop Jim Godfrey, the guy who put me onto this podcast in the first place. He says these guys look a lot like Warhammer 40k. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's a good Big shout. Big time. The kind of chunky, almost like they should be weighed down by their own equipment, but to hell with that. I mean, it looks cool, so why not? The reason I mention it, apart from it just being super cool, is this is definitely the Iron Grenadier's all business. These guys are frontline troops. They are not meant to be on any honor guard. They're not meant to be carrying any sabers, any cavalry weapons. These guys mean business. They mean to overthrow small nations. Yeah, Literally. definitely. Um, <laughs> quick sidebar, uh, Jim was giving me a bit of advice on painting the figures as well. So, um, about highlighting highlighting and stuff, extra highlighting for the small figures. So, yeah, I can see his Warhammer 40k background, but it definitely does look a little bit like a Adeptus Astartes. Uh, I think that's what they call the Space Marines. But, um, yeah, this figure, I like this figure, I like this update. I'm, you know, I'm way out of touch with any kind of action figures post the early 90s. So, you know, getting the glimpses of this stuff is uh, very, very interesting to me. Did you have uh, any brushings with the classic Iron Grenadier, Chief? I just sent you a picture, my man. <gasps> my man! Do you not Jeez, see I it? I need to shut up and look at my WhatsApps. That's it. <laughs> I've just sent you a picture of another version of the Iron Grenadier. You have, yeah. Um, why don't you talk about him? <laughs> this guy has got like a, a kind of, again, it's a bit of a Nazi vibe to this one. He's got kind of a tr- big kind of trench coat, gold trimmed. Yeah, with kind of a bulky kind of belt packs i don't know i'm not sure if i like this design Hmm. well it kind of is touching on that that very european great coat yes um, world war one era you know in in the in the first world war it was one of those weird times in history when you had machine guns and still mounted cavalry. Yeah. You know, like there were throwbacks and throw forwards in technology. There was an air force and yet people were wearing medieval chain mail armor. It's um it's fascinating to see images of like equipment and weapons and personnel from that era. So like I think that was what the toy designers were touching on when they put the Iron Grenadiers in this great coat. And of course it's Scotland and it's hella cold up there in the Highlands. Yeah, true, true. Did you see my <laughs> picture? My picture. I my... saw your picture, Chief. So his man, thumb hats off his, to you, mate. His thumb is intact. He's holding that Uzi and there is nothing wrong with that thumb. So I've obviously Bravo, wedged man. it in there. I applaud your boldness. <laughs> 
Has he been posed like that for the past 30 years? <laughs> well, I've just pulled him out of a box, yeah, so quite likely, yes. Yeah, man, well, testimony to that 30-year-old plastic. It's it's still good, brother. That's it, that's they it. They built these toys to last. Yeah, Iron Grenadiers. Great figures overall. I think that was a great addition to not only the plastics and the toy line, but, you know, they did their bit in the comics. You know, maybe not to the extent that we would have liked, but... Definitely had a presence about him in the comics, which which is good. Are you in agreement with them being regarded as this legion? Because there has been a kind of a backscaling of them. Like, they started off as, like, there's enough guys in the Iron Grenadier Corps to effectively invade Cobra Island. Yeah. And hold the... that They've quickly cooled off that. I mean, it's, it's regarded as Destro's kind of private mercenary group now. Yeah. Was it Was it maybe at the time that they were... Could it be explained away that they were considered so much more elite and they'd gone through so much more training than the crappy Vipers that they they didn't need to be as big a force? I mean, I don't know what a legion comprises in terms of numbers or is supposed to in military parlance, but... Um, yeah. Dude, it looked like uh, Normandy in D-Day, on you know, sort of D-Day landings in that issue. It did, yeah. Like, yeah. There, there were a lot of guys and a lot of... Um, Destro's sort of premier tank of the time, the demon. Yeah, yeah, that's quality. And mm. uh, that that kind of force hadn't been hinted at from Destro before. You know, he was this arms dealer who there was no mention of him having this, you know, private army. But um, it is what it is. It's also possible that he, you know, his Iron Grenadier Corps were a core group. Uh, of highly fanaticized, specialized, like guys that were cross-trained in, as the far card suggests, like all these commando tactics, sabotage, but also subversion and accountancy. <laughs> I yeah, mean, what the hell? Yeah. That's another Larry Harmer trope. These kind of mundane specialties to go with these super elite troopers. But being Destro, he kind of outsourced and like just brought on a bunch of guys with guns, you know, put them in Iron Grenadier outfits to just swell his forces for the invasion. Yeah. Uh, and then backscaled shortly thereafter. I mean, it's very much in keeping with his, his mercenary background to like you know, just get hired guns, basically. Let's yeah. put together an invasion force in a, in a jiffy. Yeah, because it did seem to come out of nowhere, like boom! All of a sudden, Destro's got a sizable army, you know, on a par with uh, with Cobra. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And like you said, you know, scaled back over the years, but the the, the figure and the character still still remains very iconic. I think, even though it was obviously introduced later in the run, but a, a great look and a great figure, nonetheless. Nice. Listen, uh, educated as always, that's me. You are the educator, which is fantastic. Uh, there'll be more Toy Talk next week. But right now, we've got to confuse some people because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Who is going first this week? Well, let's uh, let's bookend you, I guess. Uh, unless you want to go last, Chief. But uh, uh, once again, I've got an Aussie and a South African. Yeah, do it. I I, I tend to mix it up while I'm here. It's it's, I like it's it. disgusting. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> I've lost my sense of self. Who am I? <laughs> but uh, once again, I, I love to make you guess. If I was to say the word ranger. What, what is that in reference to? Right, now, which, what is this? This is the uh, South African or the Australian? 
<laughs> Wouldn't that be an unfair hint? This will be the Australian. Ranger, mate. Ranger. <laughs> that's that's how I'm going to do it. That's my, my, my sh- okay. cheap shorthand to, to tipping you off. I'm going to put okay. mate at the end. Right, okay. And then for the South African one, I'll say brew. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Good, good. Um, Ranger. Ranger. Nope. Don't know. Don't know. Put me out of my misery. So we were watching... We were, Kim and I were watching this show about dog grooming. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> which was presented by Ozzy's very favorite uh, host of the week, Rebel Wilson. Okay, yes. Uh, and uh, she was discussing Ed Sheeran. Does that perhaps tip you off a little bit more? He's Ranger, mate. Uh, so it's either going to go one of two ways. He's <laughs> either... I would say going the negative side, maybe it's a derivative of rank, which in the UK would okay. be um, not good, uh, a minger, something, something that's not ideal, uh, or the other way, which is hot or fit. So, But I don't know which way to lean there. So, Well, neither. neither yeah, rank, yeah. Let me put you out of your misery. Ranger, I believe, disgustingly, is dis- d- derived from orangutan. And it basically means someone with red hair. Okay. Fire crotch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Ranger, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll go next, then you can uh, bookend me with your next one. So this is one, I think I used this on a previous recording of The Out of Timers, which hasn't aired yet, so people won't have heard it. But uh, the phrase I used was, oh, yeah, I need to suss it out. And I would probably spell that S-U-S-S. Is that not global? Though? Is it? Is it global? I seem to remember. I seem to remember the first time I encountered the word "sus" was in the writing of Mr. Larry Harmer. Really? <gasps> okay, Chief, you're slipping, buddy. Okay. What else you got? That's it. That's all I got. Oh my goodness! Well then, jeez, good good thing I brought two. <laughs> so wait a minute. You got to explain in- it first. What sus? Yeah. Oh, um, to to work something out. Okay, to, yeah. to to basically like you know, um, process of elimination. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, chief has dropped the ball there in a big fashion because what he's actually done there is not given a Commonwealth colloquialism. He's just given a word in the English language. <laughs> well, you know, Mr. Larry Harmer is. Uh, he's a man of words, and he's a very worldly man. I mean, we didn't we didn't mention it, but um, in the issues under consideration. Uh, Cobra Commander calls Dr. Mindbender the um, oh, alopecious yes. vogel. Yes. Now, what does An that mean? I, me- I meant to uh, Google that and I forgot. It's Afrikaans. It's South African. I think it's it's sort of derived from one of the Germanic languages, so like from Dutch, perhaps. Right. But it actually, it's, its last sort of historical use was in the Afrikaans language. Uh, it, it then kind of was derived into arse fool, which means um, arse is like carrion and fool is bird. So it's it's a ah, vulture, okay. an arse fool. Yeah. So arse vogel. He's basically calling uh, Dr. Mindbender a bald vulture. Yes. Which is perhaps a little bit redundant, isn't it? But <laughs> makes for a good bit of alliteration. Yeah. Eh? yeah. Alopecious arse vogel. <laughs> My second colloquialism, or is it my third? Jeez, I'm, I'm dominating this section now, Chief. But in South African terminology, um, there's a term called a chorb, which I used this week. Chorb? Is that C-H-O-R-B? I think so. That, it's that helps me, that helps me nothing, said. knowing how it's spelt. Uh, chorb. Uh, nothing. Will it give okay. it away if you use um, it in a sentence? Uh, y- yeah, I, it totally would, but... Um, 
I'm going to do it anyways because okay. it seems you need the hint. My brew, it's so hot. I've been sweating so much, I'm breaking out with chorbs. <sighs> breaking out with chorbs? Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. A chorb is a pimple. Uh, like I, said, I was going to say spot or something like that, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Dude, well, then you were on the right track. Okay. You should have just thrown your hat in the ring, bro. Should have done it. You know, what's, what's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no crime for getting it wrong around here. So, yeah. The only crime oh, is not getting it. Knowing you, Chief, you're going to turn this into a contest. I know <laughs> you, man. The gauntlet has been thrown down. You're going to pick it up and throw it right back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you technically have a slight advantage because I think I have been crunching out some of these colloquialisms for about, I don't know how many, 40 episodes or so. So... You know, you, you're fresh off the I'll block. I'll get that a point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clutching at any straw I can get. Okay, so you've won that round, if it is indeed a battle. But uh, the next oh, thing we the need the listeners to... who win every round, Chief. <laughs> the next thing we need to do is... the world of Commonwealth colloquialisms. So now we're going to go into the questions segment of the show. And believe me, this is the first time I'm recording this, not the second, <laughs> wink, wink. And it goes like this. We ask listeners a question... We ask listeners a question. What will they say? What will they do when we ask listeners a question? Mm. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. One take. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we asked listeners this week a question that went along these lines. There have been some live-action movies of beloved 80s animated franchises, but are there any that haven't been made into live-actions or you, you know people would want to see done or done again? And we got good responses, as always. Christy Rag 42 said, Galaxy Rangers. Thoughts? I have no context for Galaxy Rangers, I'm okay. afraid. Unfortunately, uh, the Chief is likewise <laughs> redundant here. But uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's uh, start a Galaxy Rangers petition. Uh, Scott Lindsay, 5627, said Voltron. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it hasn't been done, to the best of my knowledge. Yep, yep. There have been some, li- and it's got a been big some following. animated movies, though, has there? But maybe not a live-action Oh, gosh, yeah. I'd be down for seeing that, and I have absolutely no real childhood connection to Voltron either. Yeah, I've seen that. So, I've seen that Voltron Lego. Lego released a big Voltron set. Oh, so good. It looked really good. So good. Yeah. Gee whiz. Uh, I was tempted, man. A few people mentioned this, and, and I'll name-check them as we come to each one, but uh, the first one here is his... I'm doing the Instagram post first, but it's his Connors underscore Collectibles 03 said, Mask. Hmm. Well, that would be in my top guess. It feels like the logical progression. We've had some very, very wildly successful Transformers movies, even though critically and for the fans, they're absolute garbage. Uh, We've had some moderately, maybe not so successful, G.I. Joe live-action films. Mask would be like the final... Final gasp, you know, let's see if they can actually get the essence of the 80s property right. And that would satisfy, on the one hand, Transformers fans and G.I. Joe fans, because it's kind of a synthesis of both ideas. Yeah. Vehicle action um, and also a kind of an elite group of troopers, rescue guys, soldiers. I know you're you're an Alex Sector man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, I had... I never had Rhino, which was Alex Sector's ride. I did have Condor, and I loved that toy so much. Brad Turner, I think it's just a cool-sounding name. Yeah. 
I think I've made a lot of guys... Like, if I was kind of playing kind of Elseworlds G.I. Joe game, I would just call my character Brad Sector. Yeah, the bar, ordering drinks. What's your name? Brad. Brad Sector. That's my flying bike parked outside. I want to see you in that role more than life itself right now. Uh. Oh, give me the chance, man, to play a character in Mosk, the movie. Yeah. Let's make it happen, people. Let's start that petition. S-jobs for Brad Turner. Uh, uh, Den Sibyl says Zillion. I unfortunately apologies. I don't know what Zillion is. Should I? Dennis? No, uh, Dennis. S-C-B-L, power to you, dude. Yeah. Uh, I better do my research and, and check that out because if it's worthy of a live action movie, then best believe it better be good. That's it. Yeah. Um, then we got Cavball Customs. Love that guy's work. Spiral Zone. Never heard of it. Yes. Okay. Uh, a lot of kind of vehicular action and. Very timeous, right? Uh, given the sort of COVID nineteen situation, Spiral Zone dealt with a kind of a, a world that was uh, infected, a sort of a plague, plague world. Wow! You go out into the Spiral Zone. I could be getting this completely wrong. Um, I'm not, by my own admission, the biggest fan. I remember watching a few episodes as a kid, and that's the kind of the broad stroke that I, I have. But I know that there are a lot of unique vehicles that came out of it, and seeing those translated into okay into live action would always be a thrill yeah. to any fan of nostalgia google's telling me it did one season in 1987 of 65 episodes so get- that's some good going yeah. he was- uh simon batty says visionaries i suppose if you liked gi joe it was a kind of a fantasy extension of that i mean the, the figures were slightly upscaled but the same o-ring construction so yep. Definitely uh, something that's familiar to us all. Yeah. Um, Hill- yeah. Hillbilly- they used holograms, didn't they? Yeah, that'd be quality. Uh, Hillbilly Harper also seconds the mask and Centurions as well. Didn't I tell you that mask would get the most votes? You did, yes, you <laughs> did. Um, Centurions would be cool. That would be good. That would uh, be good. I do remember very that. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Chad D. Zolo says, I'd honestly and sadly have to say none, really. Transformers and Joe got butchered. Teenage Mutant Turtles had it really rocky. I don't want to see more get butchered. I mean, this, I can empathise a, a little point. bit with that, but, you know, it's it's sometimes you just got to take a chance. And if it turns out bad, hey, you can just got to be in the mindset to write it off and then go back to what you loved, go back to those animated stuff that you loved, because that's not going to change just because someone made a bad movie. Now, I know you're not a fan of the MCU necessarily, but because it does diverge from comic books... No, it's not. It's not. I'm not... Well, just to clarify here, I'm not not a fan. So I don't think I've watched any of those movies and thought that film was rubbish. You know, they're not bad movies. That's not what I'm saying. And I think it's not that they diverge from the comics. I don't know. It's just... uh, they. I just you can't don't deny that it's rocketed characters yeah. like Black Panther yeah, yeah. into the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, Black Panther's great. I mean, I just, I just, else. I just think the, the 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 summation is I don't like them as much as the majority of people like them. You know, I still think they're good movies. So, um, yeah. The reason I've, I've raised the MCU is sometimes it just takes that lightning in the bottle moment to propel something, and if treated properly, you know, this is a case of like two misfires and maybe maybe the third, we're going to get a win. It's waiting in the wings for an 80s property to really, really take off. Yeah. And I think it comes from just acknowledging what at the core 
is the recipe for success. Like these things were huge in their day with kids. What was it? Why was this a winning concept? Why did this one get off the ground in ways that a thousand other failed ideas before it did not? And I don't think Transformers succeeded in that and G.I. Joe definitely didn't succeed in that. Yeah. So maybe it could still happen. So I'm 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 gonna say to that point of like not meddling with these properties, I I want the filmmakers to keep punching until until the other guy, you know, hits hits the ropes. That's it. That's it. Yeah, point well made. Uh fuzzheads underscore vintage underscore toy says micronauts. Now I don't know much about micronauts, uh, but I hear it's pretty good. Uh, in the wake of like Ant-Man movies, it might be interesting. Yeah. Um, though it feels like that was where they were going with that film anyway, kind of introducing a microverse. Yeah. And doesn't Marvel isn't on the, on the the Micronauts are now owned by Hasbro. Right. Uh, so it would be a licensing thing. Yes. Mm. Yes. Because I mean, it for a time Marvel Comics. W- were responsible for the Micronauts. That's right, and yeah, yeah. there were crossovers. They were, they were they were in the Marvel universe. I think Spidey crossed over yeah, with the Microverse. Possibly, yep. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got uh, Nocturno Five says Brave Star. Oh, excellent! Yeah, do like some Brave Star. Damn, that would be cool. That would be good. Uh, we need we need mm. a new Western fantasy kind of uh, movie. Or franchise, so let's get to see a Brave Star movie. Slash sci-fi. Slash sci-fi, oh, yeah, yeah. so cool. Great designs and just a great aesthetic, yep. which I think could be treated nicely and seriously. Like Tex Hex in, you know, realized yep. in live action could be one of the most spooky villain designs ever put to celluloid yep. or <laughs> digital. Yep. Hundreds, yeah, hundreds, hundreds, bro. Listen, uh, Sid Saboya... Uh, and again, please, um, I apologise if I'm butchering any of these names, but Sid Saboya says Jace, and I presume that's Jace and the Wheel Warriors, which I think oh. I remember watching, and I think it was okay. Any mm. memories of that? No, man, we didn't get it back in South okay. Africa. Uh, collectors underscore solution, another vote for Visionaries. Gabor underscore 2018 is just giving us lots of hand claps. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> Doug Zalondek says, Mask could work. We have the tech to do the transitions, both in practical and digital, and make it look good. The mm. only problem is the teams will barely ever wear the most important part of the costume and the namesake, the mask. Uh, muscle. Things could be a crazy cartoon if they were able to go all out on it. No, I don't take that point about the cast not wearing the masks. I mean, <laughs> the MCU managed to clothe one of the sort of the biggest stars of our time in a mask. Most of the time. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr., by his own admission, is like, that's great. You know, every time that mask flips down, I'm back at my trailer having a party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the CG artists that are uh, that are responsible for bringing Iron Man to, to life. Yeah. Um, I'm not advocating that the mask cast suddenly becomes CG no. when they put their masks on. That'd be garbage. Yeah. But you could put a stuntman in there. Yeah. It'd be like the Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, Wardog underscore Apollo says uh, four of these cartoons exist in a shared universe. Sorry, five. I didn't see Mask there. I caught that as well, and I thought to myself, is he referring to the shared universe that exists between GI Joe and Transformers because of one animated cartoon that that referenced the GI Joe team? There was a kind of a an old Cobra Commander in one of the. I think it's the third season of um, the, the Transformers cartoon. Right. So that's the connection between the two Hasbro unless, uh, properties. Unless he's referencing the IDW shared universe, 
Because is it, oh, is it, course, isn't yes. that Mask, Transformers, G.I. Joe, uh, who else is in that? Rom Space yeah, Knight, sure. someone else. Uh, but if he was just speaking from cartoons... Yeah, I'm not sure there's five cartoons that are in a shared universe, no. Well, G.I. Joe and Transformers, there's one. Cops shares a universe with G.I. Joe. Okay, so three. Cops takes place in the future, and there's a character who is Beachhead's, I think, nephew? Yeah, possibly. Could be mistaken, but it's definitely there's a Sneeden uh, in both both continuities. Yep. Mm. So we've got three there. But then he says, sorry, I didn't yeah. see Mask. But I'm pretty sure in the animated cartoon, Mask is not part of the shared universe of G.I. Joe. Yeah, different uh, studio. Different studio, I think. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Phil, Phil Prot uh, says, uh, Chris Star, Crystal Warrior, sci-fi-ish fantasy is my catnip. Nice. Bit of an obscure choice. I mean... They'd certainly go after He-Man before they would do Crystar. Okay. <laughs> I can assure you that. Yeah. Um, and maybe even the Thundercats before before that. But uh, yeah, geez, deep cut. Yeah. No mention of no mention of Thundercats yet. Interestingly. Oh dear. Um, Real Heli says, "Leave them all alone. I'm tired of awful reboots." <laughs> um, felt so strong. Posted that message twice. Mister Crispy 2.0 Mask could make an incredible action film. So Mask is leading the race here, that's for sure. Let's check out what was said over on the Twitter. Peter Seddon, a uh, friend of the show, friend of the Chief Dog, said John Woo was down to have directed He-Man at one point. That would have been interesting at least. Joe underscore Hunter 73 said they made a live-action Jungle Book, so why not a live-action Tailspin? <laughs> Beautiful. I want to see that. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Baloo flying a plane. That's it, brilliant. Uh, action figures and comic, is that collectors or collections? Bionic 6. I think I remember Bionic 6. I loved Bionic 6. Yeah. And since Bionic 6 was kind of an offshoot of the idea of the $6 million man, which was a live action TV show, like, yeah, it would come full circle if they had this. I think essential to it, though, is setting it in the 80s. I don't know, part of me is like... Characters like Meg, for instance, just don't exist outside of that Cindy Lauper, right. uh, you know, blingy face, yes. big hair, yeah. shoulder pads. The, you know, the Bionic 6, underrated gem in my eyes. Yeah. All right. we, we got it in South Africa when we didn't get a whole bunch of other things. So we really kind of imprinted on that. Yeah. And same thing with the action figures. I, I, I don't remember it much, but does the th- is it like Bionic, Bionic 6, uh, something like that? Oh, oh, it's a great oh, film, is it? Okay, fine. I'm yeah. gonna, all right, I'm going to dig yeah, up yeah, some yeah. episodes. Bloody hell, more homework. Dig up some of that. I, there was an episode of Toy Galaxy where they addressed Bionic 6, how scheduling really screwed it up. Oh, really? Because the, the tune was out before the toys were released. Ah. So no one bought the toys because by the time the toys were on the shelves the tune had come off the air and so it wasn't relevant anymore interesting fortunately in south africa these things ha- landed at the same time that that is the advantage of having a slight delay on everything yeah. so we we gobbled them up good stuff and yeah bionic six is a favorite for me okay. i'd love to see yeah, it yeah. live action uh, little wookie says visionaries would be pretty epic if done right so another visionary so visionaries i think is second to mask at the moment here um gi joe aficionado <laughs> says starcom it would could be the greatest space-based sci-fi flick in a long time. They would have to drop the Space Force tag, though. I'm not familiar with Starcom. Something that Jim Godfrey also mentioned over on the, the G.I. Joe Berg thread, because I shamelessly pasted this uh, <laughs> this question yeah. on our G.I. Joe Berg group. That's two votes for Starcom. 
I don't know. I think there are better sci-fi properties yeah. to bring to the live-action realm ahead of Starcom. And and it's another Jim Godfrey suggestion, and that's Gundam. Yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. crap. How epic would it be to finally see a live-action Gundam movie? Yeah, that would be sweet. Why, why haven't... Why haven't we? Yep. Um, we sixty six illustration says Dino Riders. Not familiar with that okay. myself. Okay. Another thing that was perhaps bigger in South Africa than the rest of the world. I think uh, we're also I know Paul from GI Joburg loves Dino Riders. Okay. Okay. So I think what it's basically like dinosaurs um, slapped with like lasers and armor Got and it. stuff, and given ro- like pilots. Got it. You know, two two warring alien races crash land on prehistoric Earth. Yes. Kind of like Transformers, okay, actually. Yeah, yeah. Except instead of being a suspended animation, their conflict rages immediately. Right. So they co-opt these giant hulking you know, Earth monsters called the dinosaurs uh, into their struggle. Yeah. I think what we're finding out here is the Chief has not watched as many animated shows as a kid as he thought he did. Uh, anyway, uh, Cypher... More homework. Cypher 79... <laughs> Mask could do well and G.I. Joe would have done and still could if they stuck to the original premise rather than what they produced. Metal Viper says Spiral Zone. It says another one for Spiral Zone. John Kent says Roboforce. Not familiar with that, unfortunately. Any any thoughts on Roboforce? No, man. That that I have absolutely no... Okay. Not even a recollection of the term. Right. Roboforce? Yep. Not Robotech. No, Roboforce. I'll, I'll uh, Google that hmm. up after this. Uh, Boba Fat says cops <laughs> Boba Fat double F love it that's a good handle there dude um, quality he says cops or she says cops uh, Masters of the Universe and Silverhawks could be insane if they gave the movies decent budgets and embraced what made the cartoons fun Thundercats G.I. Joe and Galaxy Rangers could work but I fear those properties will always be tinkered with and never done in the vein of the shows so there's our first Thundercats mm. uh, and then C. Robeson says man the memories to sum it all up i don't think that's a show i think that's just um a sentiment a sentiment uh we uh, man li- w- these segments are going long these last uh, question segments but that's fine because it that's up. what we're all uh, that's what we're all about but uh, i do need to hit up the facebook quickly dave dave reese no chance of it but one of the more easily translatable ones would be the adventures of the galaxy rangers so that's three votes for da- galaxy rangers um, here we go, Jim. Jim Godfrey. How dreamy would a Neil Blomkamp directed Centurions be? <laughs> that would be Jeez. pretty out there. I think that'd be good. We did get Centurions in South Africa, so a young Neil Blomkamp would have possibly seen yep. it. Um, yeah. Peter Seddon's back on here, and he also says always had a soft spot for visionaries and Dungeons and Dragons. Well, they did make a Dungeons and Dragons live-action movie, I think, didn't they? And I don't think it was very good. Jeez. No, must have faded into obscurity because I have no recollection of that. I'm pretty sure they did, but more visionaries. And then Matt Smith um, says, I think a smudger, they could all work if the material is taken seriously. I thought the recent Bumblebee movie was a good example. I'd love a visionaries done by Peter Jackson to get the Lord of the Rings vibe, and I think he could make it epic (laughs) as well as get the tone of the movie and the special effects right. So right on one hand Tolkien and Academy Awards on the other hand Eddie's cartoon property yeah. I'm sure Peter Jackson would jump <laughs> at the opportunity yeah. <laughs> um, I think what we can safely say there is uh, late surge by visionaries probably topped it above mask actually for the top two so what? interesting incredible interesting yowza, yowza, yowza. Yep. something that I'm surprised didn't get more um, votes is uh, Macross uh, slash Robotech. 
Okay, yes. Yeah, I'm, I know of it, but I can't say that I've watched that many episodes. Mm. Are you familiar with Battle of the Planets? That's something that I, I caught wind of on the G.I. Joe book. Yeah, love, love. Well, G- I used to always call it G-Force. Now, G-Force was the name of the team, wasn't it? And I always, me, me and kids, the other kids used to call it G-Force, even though, obviously, like you say, it was Battle of the Planets or... Or was it Gatchaman? Gatchaman. Yeah. yeah. Stylish 70s cartoon. Yeah. That, that was cool. kind of a little bit Moonrakery, kind of Roger Moore Bondy, wasn't it? The, the, the villain, what was it? was it? I love the henchmen with their bell bottoms. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I think there I were love... rumours of that. I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I saw a either fan-made trailer or a trailer of a movie that was going to come out that didn't. And... It looked pretty good from what I saw, but yeah, still waiting on that. I thank the listeners for those incredible responses, man. Yes, as, uh, as and sorry if we didn't mention anyone, if we if we missed anyone, but uh, wonderful suggestions. Yeah, as always, you know Jeez. the show lives and dies by you, the listeners. So we appreciate that that feedback, that interaction. It's it's what makes it all worth doing. So thanks for that. We are running long, and it's a good trend because I enjoy talking to you on this show and all the stuff we cover. So we can run as long as you want, buddy. But um, you've got more editing <laughs> work to do. But listen, no, buddy, I've got a wife to get back to. She's uh, she's going to be waking up any minute now. That's it. I'm going to be the one that wakes her up. That's it. That's it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so in all the usual places. That's talking underscore Joe on the Twitter. It's talking Joe Comics on the Instagram. It's talking Joe Comics at gmail.com we maybe had another email come in and is remiss of me i think i've forgot to look that up and read it out be be sure i'll do that next time so apologies for that if you did write in an email and i haven't read it out this week uh the other place you can get us is talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook where can the fine people find you sir if they want to look at your work G-I-J-O-B-U-R-G G.I. Joburg uh, on Podbean, Twitter, Stitcher, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter I said that already Uh, (laughs) Facebook, we got a Facebook group Um, Ask to join, there's a very easy question and hey, even if you get the question wrong I might still accept you anyway because it amuses me Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah man, you you can't miss Uh, We're everywhere, we do do things uh, especially since we're on lockdown we do do more things than usual Guys are (laughs) pumping out the quality content uh weekly well even more than weekly so it's always good stuff so that should be your first port of call for joe related news and goings on you can find me on my other podcast the outer timers that's the outer o-u-t-t-a timers i think we're up to about 10 episodes now we've got a new movie segment starting with the next week's episode no more unappreciated sequels we've got something new planned we're also going to try and get this man s jub seven on for an episode to talk about uh, adult collecting of retro toys which will be good uh, i've also talk is cheap chief get me on <laughs> that's man that's it Wait, set uh, a date well set i think date. i think we're going to get uh, ben's missus on next week you're lined up for the week after but if she bails you better be ready by that headset and mic because we'll call on you on short notice Hot uh, i've also started up my personal instagram feed which is chiefy two shoes that's chiefy number two shoes because what i'm doing there is i'm posting daily cartoon strips there'll be 38 in total and these chronicle the 2015 birth of my kid so i had a bit bit of brief background before you go lumbering over there not knowing what you're getting into i had ordered on kickstarter or 
pledge to a Kickstarter of a magnetic comic strip. It comes with three panels and these kind of magnetic characters that you can put on with a dry white marker make your own comic strip so i decided when my wife got called or and me as well got called into the hospital i would chronicle the day by writing comic strips every time something happened during the labor process and i will be posting these up one a day for the next 38 days so go over to chiefy two shoes you can find me on instagram and i'll be posting those up so have a look beautiful and with all that said and done we will catch you down the road bye laters